Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of She Med. I'm Sakai Parker, and today I'm here with Dr. Patricia K. Rucker. Hi, good morning. So can you tell us about your medical specialty area and how long you've been practicing medicine? Okay, I am a general dentist. I have been practicing since 1996. Um, I graduated from Howard University, and um, basically I just do general dentistry. Can you tell us a little bit about general dentistry? Yes, uh, general dentistry, as you know, dentistry is the um, profession of the oral cavity, and um, uh, we take care of basically your teeth. Um, I'm a general dentist. I see children from zero when they come out um, to age 100. So I do pediatrics through um, geriatrics. Um, I do I do fillings, I do cleanings, I do crown and bridge, cosmetic work, um, implants now. Um, I have the Cerex, so I do a lot of things with um, uh, in-house crowns and preparation of uh, the crowns. And um, I just basically take care of the oral cavity. Awesome. So why general dentistry? Um, did you know you always wanted to be a dentist? Well, I did. I started off, of, first of all, my father, Dr. D Douglas Rucker, he started his practice. He, we're from Lancaster, South Carolina. So there's a rural area in South Carolina, right under Charlotte, North Carolina. We're on the border. And he was the first African-American Black dentist in our county. And he started in 1966. With his love and his insight, I, I sat, decided when I was younger, um, just to be a dentist. And then I got to Spelman and I explored other areas. And because of his guidance and leadership, I geared towards dentistry. And this is, I find that this is my purpose, one of my purposes. Um, I've been practicing again since 1996. And so I have found that, you know, I, I strive to help people and I, I, I love it. And um, it's one of my purposes. So that's what the, my dad was my leading force of being becoming a general dentist. So you brought up um, going to Spelman for undergrad. Can you talk yes. about what it meant to you to be a black woman in this space studying STEM? Mm -hmm. Yes, um, Spelman has an awesome program. Um, again, just like I said, when I got to Spelman, I explored other options. So my major was health education pre-med. I thought I was going to go into that arena of medicine. But um, again, this, like I said, my father was very strong and he wanted someone to continue his legacy because he was um, the first black dentist in Lancaster. So just under, again, under his guidance, I decided to take the DAT, the um, dental altitude test. And I did very well on that. And so with his guidance, I'm not going to say force, <laughs> He um, guided me into dental school. And so that's when I went to Howard. And he also is alum alumni of Howard. Alumni, excuse me, of Howard. <laughs> so how did it feel to be surrounded by people that look like yourself um, in a field that is still predominantly white and male? 
Well, again, going to Spelman College because I'm in a rural area, so it's predominantly white for high school. And so when I went to Spelman, um, it gave me a lot of confidence that I needed to go ahead and pursue a field, my chosen field. And so, and I met a lot of women, Black women who were like-minded like myself. And um, we, with that um, guidance, I was able to uh, be led into any field that I wanted to do in med medicine. So because of my father, the guidance of him with the dental um, career, I, um, excuse me, my allergies, I'm in the South, so my allergies acting out. Um, I went to Howard University. And so when I went to Howard University, they molded me into the professional I am now. Howard is very strong in everything that they do. Um, I, my professors, male and female, were instrument, instrumental in my education and my guidance now as a dentist that I know now. I sometimes listen to, I call them my ancestors in my head. <laughs> I listened to them and all the things that they they um, they led me to, you know, they taught me and that helped me and it's helping me now to be the professional I am now. So um, I was surrounded by good people, great, um, great instructors, great professional um, people that guided me into my career now. Amazing. Mm hmm. So you yeah. talked about the moments when you decided that dentistry was your niche. That's what you wanted to do. That was one of your purposes. But what experiences throughout your career affirm that you made the right choice for you? Oh, every day, every day. When I help people every day and I see that I'm creating them a beautiful smile or getting them out of pain, because again, in rural South Carolina, we have a lot of, um, disparities in, in the, um, community both, both, uh, black and all it 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 does, it crosses all borders and so when i see people um, when i get people out of pain um, when i see them being able to eat because i'm i'm able to give them dentures or i'm able to get a child out of um pain or um to create a young lady a smile that she has always dreamed about that all together is a you know rewarding to me every day so you talked a little bit about disparities. Can you tell me about mm -hmm. some of your encounters with health disparities as a dentist? Yes, I can. Um, I'm in a, a a poor area, and a lot of times, and that was one of, and that is one of my purposes in dentistry, is to help. Um, most of my clients are um, on public assistance, and I'm able to help them to um, be able to, again, just, um, just, to, just to eat, just to be able to function to eat so they can have nutrition. So the disparities here are all, uh, because we're in a rural area, the disparities here, again, crosses all borders, black, white, um, children, elderly, and um, I see it every day. So for me to be in this profession and for me to have that guidance and that consciousness to understand that this is where I need to be is, um, is, is rewarding to me every day. And so being in the rural area of South Carolina, even though we're close to Charlotte, um, you know, I feel like I'm in my place right now and been in place for almost 25 years. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
so do you find that these disparities um, span across the board due to not only racial, but socioeconomic yes. and other factors as well? Yes, it does. Um, we have been hit um, not only uh, I guess all the whole nation has been hit with the um, new this pandemic we're in. Mm -hmm. And but before then, um, I'm in a uh, textile community. And back in the late 90s, early 2000s, we were hit with that um, economic distress because our, our textile industries closed. Mm -hmm. And with my dad being in the 60s and 70s, it was thriving. And so with him, he was able to um, deal well. This community was a little more economical, economically um, off, better off than it is now. So now we're hit with the pandemic and also years of um, trying to regroup in this community or where we need to be in the in the economic. Um, of South Carolina, you know, we're South Carolina's poor anyway, but um, we, this, this has hit us really hard. And so now I find that more people are relying on government assistance. And, um, and so what we're doing and what I'm doing in my practice is to just change with that economic, um, I guess, um, disparity, uh, economic um, stress that we have on this community. So I'm able to be here to do that. And I, I serve that purpose. Mm -hmm. So um, in your career, um, how would you describe what it's like being a black woman in this field that is still predominantly white male? Well, it, with anything, with our um, our community, our black community, we always have to strive to be our best. Mm -hmm. And um, with that said, because of dental dentistry, the um, dental field is predominantly, of course, white male. But I see a lean towards females and minorities. Um, especially with general dentistry, I see that. And um, of course, with anything, it, we have challenges, but we have to manage those challenges. We have to have focus. We have to have a center base. My center base is of course, my spiritual um, being and my family. Um, and my, again, Howard University family, Spelman family, um, National Dental Association family, the NDA, all of those uh, different um, support systems have helped me to, to stay positive in my career and to thrive in my career. So yes, there are some challenges because I am double minority, black and female, but they're also, um, they're, they're programs and they're, they're, I have a strong community to help me to overcome anything that, and, that I um, encounter in this career, in my profession. So why do you think that our representation matters? In oh, it does, yeah. It matters because we as, Black women, we have been the foundation, um, you know, from to for everything, for all of our um, other um, fellow 
brother, uh, sisters, brothers um, for um, all races. We found, you know, just in anything like pop culture or anything in cosmetic, you know, with dentistry is not only in the mouth, we do things with like, you know, Botox for the lips and cheeks. Everybody patterns their cells after us. And so um, with that said, you know, oh my goodness, you know, we as black women, we we rule the world, right? Look at you. <laughs> yeah. We do. Uh, um, and I think one of the reasons why I personally want to go into medicine is mm-hmm. to show someone else that they can do it and show some show another black girl or a black boy that they can help others too. Right. Um, and I want someone to feel comfortable, like just coming to me with anything because they know I'm their sister or I'm their, right. I'm like their doctor mom. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. The mentorship is there. I have late young ladies um, now from Tufts, Tufts University to call me and they'll you know, reach out to me you know, or from Howard. I have a, you know, a couple of young ladies at Howard Dental School. And so we are, you know, when we become in a professional like ourselves in the medical dental profession. We are mentors. We we mentor. Um, I have internships. Um, the young ladies um, from the technical schools who want to be a dental assistant, dental hygienist, they come to us and we are the mentors. And so you have to be that way in everything you do, but especially your profession. Um, and you have to you have to make sure that you show them that you um, and you have to reflect what you practice. Um, yeah. And so with that said, yes, we are mentors. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what it's like to own a practice? Oh, goodness. Well, I have to. <laughs> okay. I have to. Yes, <laughs> I am. I am blessed with a practice that my dad has established for 50, almost 55 years now. My father passed, um, passed away in 2019 and he left us a thriving practice. We um, used to have five dentists there, but now it's just me because my brother, he decided that he wanted to um, explore some other things right now. He's on, I call him, he's on sabbatical. And then my dad's partner, because of the um, pandemic, um, he's a little older and he decided to kind of limit his practice. So I am basically in one practice by myself. I, um, in 2019, at the end of 2019, I, um, with my second practice, excuse me, let me go back. My second practice, I started in my mother's county, which is right um, beside my county. Um, to open up uh, a, a practice in Richburg, South Carolina, has been on the news this year, this week because of the guy that had, they caught him yesterday. I mean today or yesterday, excuse me. But um, Richburg, South Carolina, I opened up my practice, and that's in Chester County in 2018, and I was the first black or first dentist in that county. So I have that that office there, and my partner. Um, Dr. Miller, I, um, she came aboard in 2019 and she's from, I mentored her ever since she was in high school. And then she said, Dr. Pat, and that's what they call me. I wanted to come back to practice with you. So she is, um, 
basically operating that office there. And so I am operating here in Lancaster, my office. And I have three children with my bonus daughter and bonus granddaughter. And I'm telling you, being a mother of four children and a granddaughter, and also um, running those practices are very challenging. Um, you have to have a lot of experience. And I tell, and I told Shantae this too, your mother, um, la your mother last night, I said, you have to have a balance. Um, my mother is awesome. She helps me out a lot. And I have good um, managers. And so what I tell young women who want to go into any private practice that please get some business skills, <laughs> you know, we're STEM, but we need to make sure we have some management. We need to have some accounting skills. I tell them to do that. I tell them to, um, you know, research, um, go to a lot of seminars on business because you have to be a business person to run your business and you can't rely on other people. You have to know what you need to know for your business. And, you know, we are science oriented people, but you have to have some type of business sense. And if you don't do that, you will get lost. So my biggest thing right now in opening up my practice in 2018, because I walked into my dad's practice, but, um, and he was, he was so instrumental in doing that. He was a great businessman, but I had to learn. And later, but I'm telling my, you know, the people now to do it sooner to become a business person. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest thing that I, I would um, say to a person like yourself and any other uh, persons who would like to go into private practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess I never really took it into consideration that I really okay. need that business background to pull yes. it together. Yes, with all of your electives, do business, do management, do accounting. You know, you have to know your business to in order to run a successful business practice. And you know, there's a lot of management programs. There's a lot of people, you're gonna have your accountant, you're gonna have your lawyer, you're gonna have all the different things that, um, that will you know, different people, different professionals who will help you, but you need to know um, for yourself. Mm -hmm. I remember being at Spelman my freshman year and I was just 18 years old and I didn't understand the concept, but I was meeting with a, young, with a woman who owned like, she was one of the Fortune 500s um, president or CEOs. And she told us there's two things I want you to know. And those two things are find a good attorney, a, a good a great attorney and a great accountant. And when you do those things, you're gonna be successful in your business. Yes, there's other things, but you have to know everything um, about your business or somewhat about your business. You have to be educated on that. And I, um, I didn't realize that until later on in life. So I wanna pass that along also to you. Definitely writing things down. Mm -hmm. I think what makes me want to be a practice owner so badly is mm -hmm. this whole idea of ownership 
and independence because with those you can change the course if you want to you have some time if you want to study in another subspecialty you can do that there and you don't have to follow under someone else's I guess rules if that makes sense and you make it you make your own, you make your own rules, but you work double time. And when I say that, what I mean by that is um, with a business, you have to make sure that, um, and you can, you, first you get a great manager, but, um, and then sometimes, you know, just like with this pandemic, you know, um, things fall short, you know, people leave your practice. So you have to know everything about your practice. And when you do that, um, then you can bring someone in to your practice that is going to be um, instrumental to your practice. And so, yeah, you have to, you, you follow your own rules, but it's there much, it's not a nine to five. Let me put it like that. Right. <laughs> not a nine to five. You have to, you know, you have to go overboard. You have to do weekends. You have to do, you know, I stay in my practice like, um, you know, at six o'clock in the morning, well, 630, 618 here. And I stay in my practice from nine o'clock to sometimes nine o'clock at night because I want to make sure that we have um, that, you know, my notes are correct. Um, uh, I, I'm prepared for the next day. And again, um, because I see a lot of public assistance, I have to, you know, do more than the average general den, general dentist. I see more patients because there there is a need. You know, there's a lot of people there, a lot of dentists that are not um, taking public assistance um, patients. And so I have to work double hard. But the thing about that is more is rewarding because you you you're helping more people. And so um, again, and and just like I said, with this um, pandemic, we're short staff. There's a lot of um, there's a bigger need for hygiene here. Um, I think we have a shortage in the United States who have dental hygienists. And so we are um, we're feeling that um, we're feeling that shortage. Um, and then you have people like children who um, who don't want to go into technical schools to do dental assistant. So there's a lot of shortage there. And so you have to work double. You know, it's a lot of things that you, you really have to, um, you know, just work harder because you are your own boss. And so you have to know everybody's job. You have to understand everybody's job. And then um, when you're dealing with uh, staffing, um, that's a big thing in my practice too. When you're dealing with staffing because of the shortage, but before even the pandemic, you have to deal with everybody's personalities, their likes, their dislike. And then you have to bring all of them together in one group to, to make everything work smoothly for the office. So it is rewarding. You do have opportunity for yourself and for others because you can bring other people in. I'm looking for someone to come in now just to be a dentist. Um, and it's kind of hard right here, but in, you know, you're in Maryland, you're in a more um, urban area, but it's, um, I'm trying to recruit now for a dentist to come. And um, with that said, you just, you, you, it's, so, it's ongoing. It's not just a nine to five, Monday to Friday, you know, um, it's, it's um, Monday through Sunday sometimes. But then when you take a break, take a break. Cause I have my breaks and I leave. <laughs> I leave South Carolina to go somewhere, somewhere else. But it's very rewarding. Um, it's very challenging. Um, 
but it's, it's inspiring because you, you're inspiring when, when people see me and they call me Dr. Pat because my dad was Dr. Rucker and in the city and they said, Dr. Pat, and they asking you, you know, and I go to Walmart, I haven't been in a month, but I go to Walmart and they say, Dr. Pat, I need this. I want you to talk to this. It is rewarding. And, um, and you are a, um, you, you are a beacon in your community. Mm-hmm. You are. I'm gonna stop rambling. I know I could talk all day. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm learning okay. so much. Because I was gonna ask you, like being the first dentist in an area, especially a black woman in the area practicing dentistry, has that has that been a burden in any way? Has it been a lot of pressure? A lot of <laughs> well, okay. So I come from a family of community service oriented people. So I was instilled at an early age. Well, I just not wasn't instilled. It was just ingrown, or it was just something that was just natural that came naturally. My grandfather, um, he was a community leader, and so I, I don't feel pressured about it. I feel like you know. Um, I, I, I just feel honored um, to be able to um, be, you know, have someone, have people to um, depend on, or to, to look up to, or to mentor, mentor to, or just like, you know, we're here and you, you um, honored me by being on your program. And it's, um, you know, too much is given you know, you have to, you have to, you have to give back. I'm a, I'm a given person in nature anyway. So it's no pressure at all, at all. I love what I do. I love where I am in my life. I love who I, I love my ancestors for bringing me up to where I am. And, um, and I honor that. And I thank God for that, for the blessings. So there's no pressure in that at all. If you could give your younger self a piece of advice before embarking on this journey to dentistry and practice owning, um, what would you tell her? I would tell her to set your pace, um, to understand where you are in life and where you will be um, in your profession. Um, your pace is what counts. I set my pace so high that I now I can't stop. And so I, I would tell my younger self, of course, about business, one, um, two, um, to take more breaks, to take more breaks, um, to be for, more forgiving for yourself. You know, sometimes that we, we expect so much out of ourselves because we have achieved so much, but just, you know, let God guide that and ask God for guidance. And I, which I've done is um, just to be more focused on what his guidance is, his order is for your life. That's what I would tell myself, set your pace. <laughs> so throughout our conversation, you've brought up um, how COVID has affected um, your practice. Um, so I know, so, We've seen how the pandemic has also um, allowed us to recognize inequities in healthcare. Um, how do you see yourself in the midst of this, and how do we begin to fix these gaps in America? In America, okay. Um, for my little small part here, um, I was out for three months, just like everyone else back in um, 2020 in March. Uh, 
we didn't know how to react to it. Um, I would say in my little section of this world, um, I jumped back into it um, with, with, with some type of, um, because last year it was so hard for dentists. Medical received more than dentists did. And so when I decided to go back to work, I decided to go back because there were so many people that needed me. And so when I jumped back in it, um, I did it for my patients and I did it for um, also for myself. And so the inequities, I don't know how we can, um, oh goodness, that was a great question. <laughs> um, I, what we just have to do is just distrust, and I, again, and I look at my spiritual aspect, we just have to trust God and his processes and what we need to do to be uh, good stewards of this world, of this, of this nation, of, this, of your community. And so when you look at um, doing everything that you can do as for, your, for yourself and you, you're here to serve, the service that you render is going to be, um, you know, to to better to better the humankind, and so the man, mankind needs to be better by just yourself doing what is what is right for you and your community. So when you start, when I started back practicing, and I didn't know, I didn't have my N95s, I had KN95s, and there was a big thing about that, and I didn't have uh, the glove shortage, and all of those different things that came about um, in 2020, I decided, for me, I said, okay, I'm going to go back in because I was here to serve. And that's my, um, that was my attitude. So we have to individually um, take note and to be conscious about serving the better man, the better, you know, humankind. So that's what I did. So you have to look in yourself to do the, to help out. So to balance those inequities. Mm -hmm. I hope I answered your question, Shakai. Yes, you did. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I ramble and then I, I don't, I feel like, um, I know you're at, that was a good question. So, uh, no, you you have to go. yeah. I'm also thinking about how in the Affordable Care Act, dentistry mm -hmm. is still something that's considered elective, which I don't yeah. think that it should be. I think that's one of the reasons why there's gaps in dental care also. Right. That public assistance isn't accessible to everyone or people don't know that it's there for them. Um, well, the thing... Go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I agree because uh, so we our insurance, I mean, you just look at insurances because a lot of people, that's what they, they look at. And um, with Affordable Care Act, yes, they say they have dental, but they don't, they don't, the insurance, the reimbursement, it goes to the patient. And so the patient has to have the money to even pay for dental. And it's, it's, it's not, um, since I think the 1960s or 70s, we've been lobbying to increase um, our um, reimbursement. 
and to increase the services. I know in South Carolina, a lot of things are not offered to adult patients. Um, you know, if they're in pain, they're going to take it out. And then they have a, just a, a minimum that they pay per year. And it's ridiculous. It's like $750, which is something. But um, that's why a lot of dentists are not accepting the dental um the public census dentistry, dental. And for the Affordable Care Act, people, they don't, they don't even have $45 to come and see me, you know? And so you, you're asking a patient to come and see me at, at $45 and that, you know, the Affordable Care Act will pay them back, but they don't even have $45. So it is really sad. And I think we are lobbying, um, the ADA is lobbying and we've been lobbying since 19, in the 60s, the late 60s, 70s, to increase those reimbursements. And it does matter. It matters. So I'm, go ahead with your question. So um, what advice can you give to future dentists and physicians coming up um, to make sure that they heal and treat patients in a way that is culturally competent as mm -hmm. well as um, holistic. Um, holistic. Um, there's a lot of things, you know, we're here in, in rural South and a lot of people come in with all of their um, uh, holistic <laughs> and um, uh, treatments that they use. They use clothes, they use ginger, they use um, different things that was taught to them back, you know, from slavery. And um, what I would tell future dentists or medical practitioners is to always make sure that you are, that you keep to serving others. Um, I do a lot of community service in my office, meaning I bring, if someone doesn't have a certain funding, I do a lot of, um, I guess, you know, I, I write off a lot of things that, you know, and I see a lot of people who are not able to afford and I do a lot of, um, a lot of um, discounting, but you have to keep in mind that you're serving the better good. And once you keep that in mind, you know, you're running a business, of course, but you do a lot of outreach. You do a lot of servicing. You go into the communities and you uh, service others. I know that Howard University, they do a lot of um uh they go to jamaica for you know different um other countries and then they go uh, we have a lot uh, in the community of D district of columbia and also um in maryland that we go and do community service um pop up you know dental clinics and so forth so i would tell uh the future dentists and the future future medical practitioners to also include that in their practice mm -hmm. So my last question for you is, um, how can young people like myself um, be mentors, health mentors for our communities um, and help advocate for health equity and advocacy? Um, I have a lot of friends who are going into politics now mm -hmm. because they see that the disparities, they see the, um, they see the inadequate inadequacies, they see the um, 
they want to make a change. They want to be that change agent. So I would tell you to be more vocal, um, a, po a politically um, advocate. If you don't, if you don't want to, you know, run for a political office, or um, if you don't want to um, be a part of that political scene, then um, just support it. Support it. Um, you know, write to your congressmen, write to your senators. Um, try to change local laws um, and then state laws and then hopefully the federal laws maybe change. Um, be more politically aware. And I think as young practitioners, we get so involved in the whole um, medical and dental or uh, the science of everything instead of looking at the whole world together and looking at your local um, communities, see how you can change that. And also, you know, just like I said, be a community leader or, you know, do, do, do your um, public service, do your public service. That's what I would tell you to do more. Don't be in your office all day, you know, do some more public service. I do Head Start. I started out with um, three counties and um, I used to just go out to all the different Head Start centers in the rural um, counties of uh, surrounding counties of Lancaster, Chesterfield. And I also did Chester um, counties in Kershaw County. And I used to go out and see the Head Start children. And that's what I started out and it became, a, first it became, um, it was an employment. And then i started doing as a public service also. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for coming on today. I learned so much from you in just a little bit of time. Okay. Um, well, thank you again for I'm so honored and blessed to be a part of your study. And I hope I served you well today. I learned so much. I really That's appreciate good. it. Thank That's you. good. I hope I I hope I didn't ramble. <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome all right. and i wish you all I, you know i'm so blessed and so honored and so proud of you to know you and know that you're gonna just thrive in everything you do everything you do you know i know you're going to spellman yay spellman and um i know and i know your mother's behind you and we're behind you also but you 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 are great and you're wonderful and continue on living what god has planned for you in your life thank you so much you're welcome and you have a blessed day you too